Blog Talk Radio. afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is that you're listening to this. Welcome to the Kitty Bella Podcast, Season 3, Episode 3. I should go play that number, right? 3-3. How are you? I hope you guys are all doing well. Welcome to the new format of Kitty Bella. And so again, here we are with our shorter version, which is going to be just me talking smack and talking about the latest things on my mind or speaking to one of the many lovely guests that I always like to bring on. And for today's guest, I have a very special guest. She, I'm going to put her on the line in two seconds right now. So Miss L, we're going to bring on Miss L Hearns. Are you there, Miss L? Are you there? I am Kitty Bella. Hi. Hi. Say hi to everyone out there that's going to be listening. Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. I'm so honored and so excited to be a guest, one of the first guests of the newly relaunched The Kitty Bella Show. It is a complete honor, so thank you for having me. Thank you for being here, Elle. Um, I I know that I switched the times up on her. We were supposed to do this um, 30 minutes from now, but I was just like, oh, my God, I, I need to get this done because I have so many other things to do. But um, I'm so glad that you were able to be flexible and to do this. So thank you. How are you? I'm okay. I am okay. I am, um, first of all, it's nothing for me to do anything for you. I love you so very much, and I'm just so excited to be a part of anything that you're doing. Um, but yeah, I'm okay. I'm uh, coming off the launch of the Marsha P. Johnson Institute, which has been my greatest dream, and so I am kind of coming down from that and just resting a little bit before we move into uh, the next phase of work and uh, creation. So yeah, I'm doing okay. Yes, we're um, going to talk about really that. Excited. Yes, I can't. I can't wait. We're going to get into all of that. Um, So for those of you who may not know, Elle is not a stranger to the show. Um, Elle and I actually were, in fact, a part of PWOC together. And, in fact, Elle helped co-launch what used to be PWOC Ohio. Elle, I would be amiss to not ask you your thoughts, though, on what everyone's talking about, which is pose, because I have so many thoughts. Can I share my opinion first and then we get yours? Yes, I always, always, always want to hear your opinion. So I'm excited to hear your feedback. There's so much happening with people's thoughts on this. So I'm so excited to hear yours. 
So here it is for me, plain and simple. I love the show. The representation of trans black women on a network show with trans black actresses and being the stars of the show and with Janet being the director and producer and et cetera, all of that is bomb. Now, when we peel back the layers, I must admit and be truthful that when I watched the episode uh, from this week, I watched it yesterday here at home, I wasn't really feeling it. Um, just like just off of not even just everything else that people are saying, just the episode itself was a little lackluster for me. Um, toward the end with the scenes with her and her parents, that to me felt more like what I've been used to with the show, but everything else was a little off. Um, the lack of nuance and compassion for Pray Tell's character was really like a big thing for me. I would have loved to have seen some redemption redemption with him, especially between him and Candy before her death. I think for me that would have made the agony much more um, palatable, palatable as opposed to sort of the mm-hmm, coldness mm-hmm. that we got. You know, we got like this coldness from him where it was like he's always mm-hmm. been like this character we love. He was fierce. But this mm-hmm. episode, I was not feeling him. I was like, I'm not feeling you, Preto. Um mm-hmm, And like many mm-hmm. have said, clearly there was a rush to get Angela's character written off so she could focus on, mm. you know, congratulations, Miss Ross. Yes. Uh, American Horror Story, AHS. Yes. Um, but I would just mm-hmm. have appreciated a more convincing exit from the writers. Um, we knew mm-hmm. Candy Dance, but we never took her for the type to be tra- taking the tricks at the hotel. Not to say that that makes her mm-hmm. less worthy if she did, but the way she was written mm-hmm. was always very strong-minded. And in fact, mm-hmm. we got to see Electra many facets beforehand. So if this was the case, all I'm mm-hmm. saying is that basically, I wish they would have shown that. It would have made her death more yeah. convincing if we would have seen her going into the hotels and, you know, taking the John's money and all that. But going mm-hmm. forward, I would, I would just want to see more nuance from these characters and not mm-hmm. stereotypical. You know, like, I know, mm-hmm. like, I'm going to just end by saying this before I get your opinion. Like, I know a well-known <laughs> ballroom community icon. I'm not mm-hmm. in ballroom, but I know people. And this community icon, mm-hmm. her and I attended the same high school in New York City. We transitioned mm-hmm. at the same fucking time in high school in Harlem <laughs> in New York. I ain't going to say her name. And she, she's out mm-hmm. there, but I, I'm just not going to put her out there. And she stayed and competed in ballroom even after high school. Uh-huh. And she went uh-huh. and got her bachelor's from Syracuse, Syracuse University. And she is a licensed, so she's been a licensed social, social worker for over a decade now. So my oh, wow. ask is is that I just want to see more balance with the characters. That's just my thoughts. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm done. What do you have to say? Yeah. Well, I mean, what didn't you say? <laughs> I mean, I think my perspective is just very different as someone who uh, I don't watch the show. So, you know, I'm sure that might, might be news to people. Um, I don't watch the show. I'm not necessarily a fan of the show. Um, okay. It's not something that I'm tuning into every week. I think, you know, I was telling someone the other other day, just, you know, for some reason, this show puts me in the mood to watch Moesha. Whenever I hear people talk about Pose, I'm like, I need to watch Moesha. I don't know what's going on. I don't know. Mm. Um, but I don't, I don't necessarily watch this show to really have a informed opinion. 
Um, however, mm. I am someone who follows culture and I follow pop culture and I and I pay attention right. to how uh, conversations about the experiences of my community, how those conversations are being framed publicly and at a time where black trans women are being murdered and that's consistently been something that has been elevated in media by black trans women, uh, whether they've been organizers or curators of uh, places like the Kitty Bella show, it is a widely known um, elevation of that. And so with this portrayal of candy, I really was hoping that death wasn't going to be um, sensationalized. I think there are so many opportunities to utilize art responsibly. Um, and I think we have enough examples of art imitating life. It would have been really fascinating, I think, for the viewers and just for Black trans women who are looking to this show for solace if her story could have imitated the world we wanted to see. Um, you know, I think there's so many different ways that she could have escaped the, the hardships that she was experiencing. And I understand um, attempting to relate it to historically what has happened, but I also trust that there are many different variations of um, experiences that Black trans women have. You know, I was telling a friend last night, it would have been great to see her just get out of New York, you know, or if her death would have resulted in you know, um, the 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 cosmetic, the black market cosmetic procedures or just something that was fuller um, and, as you said, more nuanced. I think that not only did the character deserve that, but I also think that black trans women deserve that. I also have just been consistently bothered with the depiction of what happens to uh, black women who are dark. Um, you know, I think... The show certainly has a lot of Latinx people, and I think they okay. attempt to kind of navigate the space of, like, passability and, and, and those kind of dynamics, but not really in a real way um, in terms of, like, the success. Yeah. And so because I'm think thinking about the characters who they frame. It's interesting that you say that because the characters who are framed, like, in this sort of aggressive light, Electra, um, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. A Candy. Like, why are they the dark, the two darkest skin lead characters framed in this light? But then you have the, mm-hmm. you know, the like two X characters, like um, uh, um, Blanca and um, what's India Moore's character name? I can't remember. Um, but you have uh, Angel, uh, Blanca and Angel. Okay. Like, sort of just like mm-hmm. in this, you know what I'm saying? Like, in a more demure, sort of nuanced light. That is interesting. Yeah. That, that, oh wow. Mm. I feel like interesting. It's just, and I and and I don't know if they are intentionally trying to create right. a conversation, no, no, but mm-hmm. but it's not there. The fullness is just not there. So it makes it fall right. flat in a way that I I just think that Black trans women and to be very honest, Black trans women who come from a particular place, because you know the character that uh, Angel you know, might represent a poor, you know, uh, passing uh, person of color, whether that's black or Latinx or whatever the case may be. I think, like, the actual depiction of, like, poor black ghetto 
like women, I think there's just a there's just a way that that's happening in the media that's just so concerning. Um, and I just I would really like that to change, you know, and, and not necessarily just polls because I think polls is following a particular model that we've seen utilized yes. consistently as it relates yes. to black people. And it yes. was just disappointing that this show has literally propped itself up and patted itself on the back as being some sense of revolution. Um, it's been disappointing to watch it follow some of the models that have actually been quite harmful to communities, especially those who represent black trans women. So not a big fan mm. of what I'm seeing, you know, mm. take place uh, on that show. Okay. Um, but overall, I'm just not a big fan of what I'm seeing happen in Hollywood and the desire to, you know, part of what has come up for me is like, who was this show literally, who was this show created for? Like, what viewer did this show have in mind uh, when it was created? And that's something that, you know, I still don't really have a sense of. I, I think I think I have a sense of, but I don't want to say publicly. <laughs> okay. No worries. We're going to end it right there. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But God bless yes. everybody. Well, thank you. God bless all the actors and the actresses yes. on that show. But, yes. yeah, it's interesting. Yes. Get your money. Interesting get your show. money. Yeah, get, your, get money. your money. Get your money. Um, so thank you. Yes, I'm glad we got to to get that out there because that was very important. We need to hear more of our perspective of the show, especially since people like us are being depicted. Um, but mm-hmm. enough about that. We're going to talk about you now. Yes. So, girl, <laughs> the last time we saw each other was at a private dinner between the two of us in New York City. Uh-huh. And you mentioned yes. to me at that time your vision for the MPJ Institute. Correct. How did you turn that vision from that conversation you had, um, among many conversations I'm sure you had, but just going back to that reference when I first heard about it from you, how did you turn that into reality? (laughs) It feels like such a simple question, but uh, the work that went into it was not simple at all. So, um yeah, I, I don't even know where to what start. I, I think start with telling them what it is. Yeah, I don't. I really don't know where to start. Um, it's been a vision of mine for such a long time, and I think you mentioned at the beginning, uh, in the introduction, that you know we were a part of a group together. Um, and so when I created T Rock Ohio with Aaron Lane, Chernobyko, and Ripley, um, Ripley Bennett, I I didn't imagine that institute would be born out of that. I always imagined mm. that we had enough power to create our own. And so that's always mm. been a consistent vision that I've had. Um, and in all of my work, whether it was with BLM and for BL, Get Equal, or uh, TY, yes. I've always, always had a vision. Um, and sometimes that vision was followed and sometimes it wasn't. But I was really clear that as long as I followed it, I could create anything that I wanted. So um, a lot of hard work went into creating the institute. Um, a lot of negotiating, a lot of fundraising, <laughs> a lot of um, severed relationships, a lot of heartbreak, a lot of disappointment, but overall, a lot of joy. You know, I'm really proud 
of the Institute. You know, we are a membership organization, and we're the first organization to actually have an interactive uh, membership website. So we literally have our own version of Facebook, which I'm really, really proud of that I've been able to create that space uh, for a community that doesn't actually have to, um, you know, reveal so much of our truth online to strangers as 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 opposed to we can actually do that with each other. So, um, yeah, I'm super excited, super thrilled, and, yeah, super happy that I got to have that conversation with you. It was really important to um, talk about the Institute early on with people that I loved and people that I admired and people that actually, you know, conjured, conjured up the Institute before I could even see it. You know, when I first met uh, Kitty Bella, Katrina, um, she, she spoke some things over my life and we can maybe talk about it on this call or maybe not, but she spoke some things over my life and all of the things that she spoke over my life, all of those things actually have come true. And so she probably doesn't even know it, but I've never, ever forgotten that. Um, and I've never, ever forgotten her. So I'm so happy to launch and to come full circle to actually talk about it on the Kitty Bella show. It just feels like such a, a dream come true. And I'm so excited to make more dreams come true and to watch other people's dreams come true. That's really what I'm most excited about, you know. So, yeah, the Institute. Yes. Well, <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. Elle. Well, thank you. I received that. I received that. Thank you so much. Um, I, Elle, I've always been impressed with the way that you see the world. And for me, I see you as someone who thinks outside of the box. And that has always impressed me about you. Where does that capacity to look beyond your current situation and to put so many things in perspective come from? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I think it comes from, whew, it comes from Ohio. It comes from Columbus. It comes mm. from my mom. It comes from God. Mm. Uh, I think I had to experience a lot of, uh, just a lot of things that, you know, maybe a young person shouldn't have to experience. But because I experienced a lot of sorrow really early on, I had to learn to escape to another place. Um, so, yeah, my dreams were really the only place that I had to kind of create different visions of what I wanted to see for myself and what I wanted to see for others. You know, part of my sorrow and suffering was that, I experienced and witnessed so many other people's sorrow and suffering. And, um, yeah, so from the time that I was a little girl until now, I've always just kind of dreamed of, you know, what a perfect world looked like for for myself and the people that I loved. Um, So that's still kind of how I I think about the world. You know, despite whatever's happening, I'm still thinking about more, and I always believe that more is possible if, you know, we're honest about what we want and what we don't want. I think a lot of times, you know, in my life, I've been very afraid to talk about what I wanted um, out of fear that it wouldn't happen. Um, And yeah, so yeah, I, uh, yeah, a lot of sorrow, but also a lot of joy. (laughs) I don't want it to sound so sad, but a lot of joy Mm -hmm. has also given me a lot of color. You know, I've been able to see different colors that don't exist. And that's something that I'm really, um, utilizing a lot of these days because I don't necessarily have the same energy that I did five years ago. 
Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, just being able to see in different colors and colors that don't even exist to other people's imagination has certainly, I think, kept me inspired. And my life experiences have created those colors for me. Um, can I just ask you quickly something personal? I know that you mentioned your mom. Um, how is that yes. relationship? I know that it was for a while um, a little strained. How is it now? You know, I think relationships with moms are always really challenging and really difficult because, you know, your mom knows you in ways that no one else does, and you also mm-hmm. know your mother in ways that no one mm-hmm. else does. And so I think we have really been challenged by a lot of different ideas of what we expected of each other and what we imagined our relationship would be versus what it actually is. Um, but I think growing older, it strengthens in ways that um, I'm really appreciative of now. You know, I think yeah. years ago when I when I met Kitty Bella, just for people who didn't know, you know, I was coming out of homelessness. I had recently been arrested yeah. for assault. And so I had a very different experience, um, you know, at that time. And so I was very isolated from family and friends and uh, feeling cared for. So, you know, where I am now, oh, wow. where I was then, very different, very, very different. But my relationship with my mom has always been strong. It's always existed. We just haven't always known how to exist in it together. Um, but, yeah, we're great. We're we're really great. She was I'm very happy to hear that. Yes. Yeah, super oh, wow. supportive. That's amazing. Yes. I'm so happy to hear that. Um, we have eight and a half minutes. So I'm going to try to run through these last few questions. As someone who has been heavily involved in the activist circles for the last several years, what do you do to mm-hmm. recharge your batteries, L? <laughs> what oh, does L wow. do to recharge yourself? I go home to Ohio. So, mm. you know, I do my work all across this country, but I go home to Ohio and I pretend that people don't exist, you know, is one of the greatest ways that I've learned to recharge is, yeah, to ignore the outside world and to really just pay attention to my world and to invite people into my world that are okay with existing in my world as opposed to me having to exist in there. Um, Presidential candidate Julian Castro and Cory Booker invoked trans people, specifically black trans people, into the debate conversation a few weeks ago. What programs mm-hmm. or initiatives should we be looking to hear from these candidates instead of the usual lip service? Yeah, I think that's such an important question. I have not made any public announcements or endorsements of any candidates. I will say that I did get a chance to go to a uh, private party with Cory Booker a couple of weeks ago. And, um, you know, it's one thing to see a candidate on TV, and it's another thing to actually experience a candidate in person. And I'm Mm -hmm. clear that during his, you know, his campaign run, he's learning and he's listening um, and he's shifting. And so while it's been great to hear these candidates uplift trans women, black trans women, I think things that we should be looking forward to hearing from these candidates specifically are around uh, where they stand on their economic plans, uh, what their housing, you know, plans look like, considering that, you know, marginalized people, black people, black trans people are experiencing great um, housing insecurity. 
And I think right. one of the things that I'm also really looking forward to hearing from these candidates are what their resolutions or um, proposals are around violence. You know, I think right. violence really is something that has not been brought in to reflect all of the ways that systemic and structural violence happens. And so I'm really looking mm-hmm. to see these candidates make more connections to some of the physical um, jeopardy that exists uh, to some of the, you know, more broader, um, you know, economic uh, insecurities that exist. Hopefully that makes sense. But, yeah, I'm just looking to see the candidates do some connecting, some some connecting to the issues so that these issues aren't standalone or being understood as standalone issues, especially when you're talking about, you know, black trans women who are being murdered. I think uh, hearing these candidates take on reproductive justice as it relates to trans people has been vital, especially as it relates to black trans women. It's something that most people don't lift up in conversation. So it's really great that they're taking that on, but I hope they're taking it on in a way that they really understand what the reproductive justice system means for a black trans woman. And I think as long as, um, you know, jobs are going to be scarce for black trans women, I think these candidates really have to take a strong stance on uh, legalizing not only marijuana, but also legalizing sex work. Um, So those are some of the things that I'm looking forward to hearing. I think these candidates have really, Cory Booker in particular, has taken on incarceration in a way that I think um, it's interesting, and I'm excited to hear more about what his plan consists of regarding that. Okay, I got one more question, but before we get to that, I'm going to play a little game with you before we get to our final question. Um, I'm going to name okay. a former organization that you are part of, <laughs> and I want you to give me, I want you to give me one or a few words that describe what you learned from that experience. Because we all learn something from experiences, okay. good or bad. And it's so funny because I knew everything Fun. off the top of my head. And there probably are more, but these are the main ones that I can think of that I know you from. Okay. So we're going to start, of course, with Pewok. And, you know, I'm going to just be honest. You know, I'm going to be honest. You're always transparent, boo. Okay. I'm ready. Oh, no, go ahead. Give me one word or a few words that describes what you learned from your experience with P-Walk. <laughs> um, the sisterhood remains regardless of, yeah, regardless of all of the things, the sisterhood remains. Okay. okay. Uh, get equal. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm going to tell this story because I think your listeners need to know. Um, we got two minutes and 55 seconds, so go ahead. Let me just, (laughs) listen, when, when people don't believe that you are worthy and don't believe that you can achieve everything that you said that you could, just show them, Mm -hmm. you know, they told me that I couldn't be the executive director of that organization. That organization no longer exists. And the Marsha P. Johnson Institute does. So, woo, woo, woo. I wish I could throw bombs, play bombs right now. Ooh, and I got chills <laughs> when you said that. Okay, um, BLM. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> B- 
you learned something from that experience. What did you learn, Earl? What did you learn? I, I learned that everything is not what it seems, and I can't fix. I can't fix everything, and I can't fix. And I couldn't fix that. What are you learning from and being a part of? Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> nope. I was just going to add in that black people deserved more and deserve more okay. from what that could have been. What are you learning from being a part of Awkward? Congratulations. <laughs> Love Awkward. Jay Mace is my dear, dear, dear brother, yes. my dear we friend, love my dear love. Yes. Shout out to Mace. Uh, yes, Mace is uh, on the advisory board for the Marsha P. Johnson Institute, and I've just love learned it. that there is power and beauty in taking care of our own and, and taking care of each other and taking care of ourselves. And Mace and Awkward have always given me permission to just take care of myself, and I appreciate them and how much they look out for me and make sure that I'm cared for in the world. Wonderful. We have 60 seconds left, L. Tell us what is next for L and for MPJ Institute and where they can find you or uh, MPJ. Yeah, as well. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. So you can visit the Marsha P. Johnson Institute at www.marshap.org. We are currently, we just launched. So our website is literally a place that we are asking people to explore, take a look, join the organization. You can also make a donation at marshap.org, a tax-deductible donation. Um, And our work, we're just really excited to get deeper into the work. You know, we've got some fun things coming up and to stay tuned, just follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at MPJ Institute um, to stay tuned to everything that we've got going on. I love you, girl. It's been fun. I love you so much. And welcome back, Kitty Bella. Thank you so, so much. Yes, I love you too, sister. It says we're off the air, but I don't know if it's still recording or not. But I just want to say, since we're still on the phone, I love you. This was amazing. Um, Let me end the episode just in case.